Welcome to the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. This episode contains a sermon from May 22nd by Brother Todd Burgess, titled Matthew 4, verses 8 through 11. Let's stand and take a look at our scripture here this morning uh, as, as we read through that in um, Matthew 4, uh, 8 through 11. And again, it, it says, And again the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain, and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And saith unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came, and ministered unto him. Lord God, it is so important. You have shown us in your word about temptation. You have shown us how to overcome these temptations. But Lord, what's I think often missed is that when we find that way of escape that your word talks about and we are obedient to you and all that has gone on and before us in our, in our lives... Lord, what's important is when you come by your Holy Spirit and minister to us after we've shown ourselves faithful, after we've overcome the temptation and have followed you. It's that ministering that your Holy Spirit does in our hearts and does in our lives that is so wonderful, so blessed. And unfortunately, unfortunately, Lord, I know there's been many times in my life I have missed that because I have succumbed to temptations. But Lord, I just pray that you would open your word for us to really hear and learn today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Maybe say to you, thank you. Now, as we've been going through, beginning back in Matthew chapter 3, Matthew is very much writing his gospel to the nation of Israel, to Jews um, and, and showing them that Jesus is indeed their Messiah, that Jesus is the King. And that's the whole purpose of Matthew's gospel. And, and in chapter 3, we've already gone through and, and, and seen what, it, what is required for genuine salvation to take place. Uh, that a person has to recognize that God is judging their life. They're in the judgment of God because of the sin in their life that they were born into. And they have to recognize that and they have to acknowledge that sin and they have to repent of that sin. And then that's not enough. They got to turn away from that sin and turn to Jesus and accept what he has done for them on, by the shedding of his blood on the cross of Calvary. See, that's the justification part that comes in. And it's so important for genuine salvation to take place in a person's life that they recognize the judgment of God and the justification of God. And we went through all that in chapter 3 and then going into chapter 4 and later in chapter 5, if we, if we get there. Um, what we see here is that after salvation has taken place, Matthew is showing us and he's using Jesus as the example of how we are to live a spirit-filled life after salvation. That's what he's showing us here. And now Jesus had no sin, but Jesus is still our example. And the first thing that the Holy Spirit of God does after, after Jesus was baptized and his public ministry was announced, the first thing that Jesus does, that the Holy Spirit does is tell Jesus, 
he needs to drive you into the wilderness. And that's what he did with Jesus. He drove him into the wilderness so he can fast and pray for 40 days. Now, there has to be a time in our life when we get away with God to find out, to make sure that we're on his path, that we're doing what, what he has called us to do, how he's called us to do it, and when he has called us to do it. That's important to, take, to do. That's why fasting and prayer is so important in our lives. It was important in Jesus' life, and he was sinless. It should be important in our lives as well. Now, during that time, Satan took, it, took, took the opportunity, and we know of three temptations that, that Satan brought to Jesus. Now, there might have been more. There may not have been more. The Bible just says three. But he was there for 40 days and 40 nights. So the first one was overcome the lust of the flesh. And we saw how, how, to, how to, to do that was simply by being content in God's provisions. And what's God's provision? His word is God's provision. We have, to, we have to take his word, hide it in our hearts. We have to learn it so we don't sin against God. And that's so important. Too often we, we, we want to memorize scripture, but do we learn that scripture? Does it take root in our hearts? So that when temptation comes, when we, when we speak that truth of God's word, sin flees. The temptation flees. We find the way of out. We find the way out. The second one is overcome the pride of life. We, we looked at last Sunday. And we overcome the pride of life by humble, obedient faith to God's plan. You have God's provision. Now you have God's plan. And you have to be humbly obedient to God's plan. Um, and folks, that can be hard to do sometimes. Because when we see God's plan, he starts to lay it out for us. It's like, whoa, you know, uh, that's, that's too much for me. Thankfully, God never tells us when we get saved where, where we're going to be 20 years later. He, he takes us one step, other, one step at a time. And so, but being faithful to God's plan, humble, obedient to God's plan. And we saw what's important there is maintaining, staying under the shelter of the Almighty, being in his shadow, being in his presence. And he'll lead us through his plan. And then today we're looking at overcoming the lust of the eyes. The lust of the eyes. And how do we overcome the lust of the eyes? Very simply, by never compromising God's path. The journey that we're on, getting from point A to point B, don't compromise it because usually we don't go from point A to point B with God. We go A, Z, Y, X, T, W, wherever, and we finally get to B, okay? That's what's important, not to compromise God's path. So we have God's provision, we've looked at God's plan, and now God's path. And folks, what these three things are pointing to, someone who is walking a spirit Filled life. Spirit-filled life. I, that's, that's why I believe, and I've said this before, I believe that these three temptations cover all sins. I, my personal opinion, these three cover all sins. And if we can learn to identify when these three things rear their ugly face, then we know how to handle it through God, what God has given us here. So let's look at this third temptation. Now, in our text, Matthew verses 8 and 9, it says, Again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain, and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world, and the glory of them, and saith unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Now, a lot of people say, well, first of all, Satan doesn't have anything to give. This is all God's, right? Wrong. Wrong. 
When God created the earth, who did he give dominion of it to? Adam, right? And Eve. Go have dominion. Take dominion of it. And when do they lose it? When they sinned against God. Satan is the one that has control of this earth. This is his dominion. And so, yes, he can rightfully say, Jesus, I'll give you all of this. Just bow down and worship me. See, he can rightfully do that because he is the one that's in control. Now, he was in control up until the time of Jesus' resurrection. When Jesus went down to, to, to Hades, took the keys, is, is, is in, overcame death and everything else, and now Jesus is now in control. Satan's just on borrowed time. He's always been on borrowed time. But we need to understand this, okay? This third temptation deals with the lust of the eyes. Getting things done without paying the cost. That's what it means. Getting things done, accomplishing a task without paying the, t- paying the cost. See, we can't compromise God's path that he has laid before us. We must avoid a life of compromise. And that means achieving the objective without obedience to God. Now, I've already said A to B, you know, we want to get there. But we need to go take God's path to get there. Because the journey is what's important. See, too often these people who, are, who fall into this, the, the lust of the, of the eyes here, they are more concerned about accomplishing a task instead of accomplishing it correctly. They are task-oriented. And folks, I'm going to tell you, there's nothing wrong with being task-oriented unless you begin to compromise your beliefs, unless you begin to compromise God's word in accomplishing those tasks. Then there's a problem. Then there's a problem. And so they forget that the journey in completing the work is just as important, and in my opinion, more important than completing the work itself. we got to make sure it's done God's way. Not my way. Okay? Simple example. In 1 Samuel 15, verse 22, we have King Saul, right? There's King Saul. He's waiting for Samuel to show up and, to, and, and to do the sacrifices and everything that has to happen. And Samuel, according to God's plan, was delayed for one day, two days. And, and so Saul, well, you know what? God needs a sacrifice. Well, I can do it myself. We'll just get it all done. We'll follow the we'll dot every I, cross every T, get it done. And had all the sacrifices done. And then Samuel shows up and says, what have you done? And what did he say? God wants obedience more than sacrifice. God wants, this, this is how we can put it into, into our, ter- our terms. Okay? God wants the task done correctly more than he wants the task just to get done. Okay? He wants obedience. That's what he, that's what he desires in our lives because it's through that obedience that we grow in him. He wants obedience over sacrifices. He doesn't care about how many tasks, how many works you get completed, quote, in his name. Folks, that's a lie of Satan. I'm going to get all that he's done in, in Jesus' name. That's a lie. Because we take it out of context. Usually when we say something like that, it means stuff that we're getting done in our own power, in our own strength. Because if, if it was in God's power and God's strength, you know what? We wouldn't even be saying that, making that kind of a statement. Because we'd be saying, God, look at what you did. 
wow, woe is me. I, I don't deserve this. See, there's a big, big difference. See, back to that um, uh, pride of life, humble, obedient, humble, obedient faith. When these things kick in, the, these three things, they're stair-stepped. Usually when you fail in one, there's usually the other one, one of the sides that you're failing in as well. You're just not failing in one, one area here. See, what God cares about is that they are first his works and that second they are done in his power and in his strength and not ours. Not compromising God's path. Not, not compromising his path. I want you to think about this. Here, here's a passage of scripture in John 12, verse 40. And it says, He hath blinded the eyes, hardened their heart, that they should not see with their eyes, nor understand with their, their heart, and be converted. And I should heal them. What does God want to do? He wants people to open their eyes, to have ears that hear, eyes that see, so that they can be converted. That's what God wants. Right? But we have to understand that Satan has blinded the eyes of the lost. And it's only by the power of God Almighty that those blinders can be removed. Sometimes I wonder, we, we, we get some accomplishments, but how much more would, it, would have been done if it would have been in God's power and in God's strength? How much more would have been done? So that's why it's important that we do God's work His ways. Going back to Philippians 4, 11 and 12, we talked about last week. You know, we all know verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But we have to learn verses 11 and 12. And it says right up front, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned. Paul had to learn this, folks. This is something as Christians, we only understand through our own experience. Learning to trust what God is doing. And many times we learn to trust what God is doing because we didn't obey him first and we fell down and now we have to stand up. He gets us back up. He gets us going again. We learn to trust. We learn through, what does it say? In whatsoever state I am, whether to be content. I know both how to be abased. I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer. See, there, too often... In our lives, we think because things are going, are going wrong, I must not be in God's will. Really? Where's that in Scripture? Show me. I can show you countless times in God's Word where His believers, His followers, Old and New Testament, had all sorts of hardships come upon them and they were following, because they were following God's will. Okay? Don't assume that because things are hard, you're out of God's will. And I'd almost say it's the reverse. Satan's going to leave you alone if you're doing your own thing because the power of God's not in it. But Satan's going to be right in your face if you're you're doing God's thing because he doesn't want God's thing to take place. And so all sorts of hardships are going to come our way. So we have to understand that. We have to understand suffering is part of a Christian's life. If we're walking by the Spirit of God, we're going to suffer. But God's there to lead us through. He's not going to abandon us. Now, there are going to be good times. Don't don't get me wrong. But what did Jesus say? 
look, they persecuted me. They're going to persecute you. If you're being obedient to the Father the way Jesus was obedient to the Father, it's going to happen. And so our, 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 our text, in our text here in Matthew 4, Satan is, is pointing, he's, he's, he is at this point, he is offering Jesus the easy road to have it all. Satan says, Jesus, I'll make you king forever on this earth. Just bow down and worship me. See what he's doing? He's, he's offering Jesus it all without going to the cross. You don't need God's plan. This, here's the path you can take right here without God and still get what you need. But, see, but Jesus understood he cannot compromise God's path. See, Satan is clearly trying to convince Jesus the purpose of God can be accomplished without the power of God, the purity of God. And folks, it cannot. It can never be done that way. Yet nothing could be further from the truth. And unfortunately, so many in churches today have believed that very lie. And I want you to think about this phrase right here I'm going to say. You can't follow God's path, listen to this, without obedient faith to God's plan and being content in God's provisions. See how they, they all work together. All three of those things deny the temptations that Satan's going to throw at us. All three of these together deny Satan's temptations. You can't follow God's path without obedient faith to God's plan and contentment in God's provisions. Remember that. Remember that. Yet too often, we reveal our lack of contentment, humility, and our willingness to compromise because we don't believe God is able to do what he said. Sometimes I think, you know, if, if, if it would have been me there instead of Moses, children of Israel probably still would have been in bondage today. You know? Sometimes we have this way of looking back and saying, well, if I would have, if I'd have been there, it would have been different. You're right. If I would have been there, it would have been a whole lot worse. You know, we, we, have to, we have to really trust God. We've got to believe that God is God. See, we, 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 we have to stop seeing what God has said as being impossible. Think of Gideon, okay? Think of Gideon. Here's, here's this guy, a real hero of a man. I mean, cowering down, grinding out his wheat, Ducking down so nobody sees him. There he is. There's your hero of man. That's, that's me right there. Okay? And then God comes to him and says, I want you to defeat the whole Midianite army and all their allies that are coming up against you. Only about 120,000 of them out there, but you, 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 you go do it. And what does Midian say? What does Gideon say? He says... I'm the least of all my brothers. I'm the least of them all. I'm, look, look where I'm at right now. I'm cowering down here. But at, he, but at least he has the fortitude to say, all right, God, if this is really you, then make this, make this fleece here wet and the ground dry. And then he had, he had to double check it and say, all right, make the ground wet and the fleece dry. And, you know, and he finally realized, okay, God, this is you. Okay? And then what did he do? He, he went out there. He took that first step. And gathered as many warriors of Israel as he could, as he could and got like 30-some thousand out there, right? 30,000. And God kind of says, all right, 
Tell them whoever wants to leave, go home. Okay, and a bunch went home. <laughs> and he said, all right, tell them to get some, get some water and pick those out that, that drank the water a certain way. And basically what he went down to, he said, I got, you got 300 left. Now you have enough. Now you have enough. And in Judges 6, 14, and it says, And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, 300 men, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent thee? What did Gideon do? Okay, let's go, guys, all 300 of us. And all he needs is a lantern. <laughs> all he needs is a torch. That's it. God's ways are not our ways, folks. If he would have took that 30,000, they, they would have been decimated. See, in Gideon's mind, victory over the Midianites was an impossibility. And he was absolutely right to think that. Yet, the moment God told Gideon to go and fight with his 300 men, victory was no longer an impossibility. It was a certainty because God said it. And that's what we have to get to. The lust of the eyes requires us to say, this is God in charge, not me. I have to, <clears throat> I have to trust him. It's, I'm doing it his way. It's his plan. His provision, I gotta trust, I gotta trust him and go his path. And if we do that, we'll see God be victorious. Think of this. <clears throat> when Jesus commanded his disciples to make disciples of all nations, you twelve go make disciples of all nations of the world. That wasn't was that was that impossible? It sure was. But because Jesus said do it. It was a certainty if they'd be obedient. When Jesus told his disciples, love your enemies, was that, was, was that a realistic statement to make? Go love all your enemies. No, it's not. But because Jesus said do it, it's now a possibility. It's now a certainty. Why? Because according to first, or 2 Corinthians 5, 19 and 20, it says to it that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. See, God's the one doing it. He just wants to do it using us. Not imputing their trespasses unto them and hath committed, now listen to this, hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. God is now one of the spiritual gifts of every Christian on this planet is reconciliation. Realize that. But yes, that's the one that's probably the least used of all Christians. Because it means humbling ourselves and putting others first. And helping them through the mire of their lives. See, God is all about reconciliation. And in verse 20 of 2 Corinthians 5, 19, 20, it says, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. See, that whole thing of, of reconciling, it's God's work done his way. He just wants to use you and I in, in his plan.
And we have to be willing to do that. And so do we treat God or do we treat commands of God as impossible? Do we modify God's word to find an interpretation that seems reasonable to us? There's a lot of passages of scripture I don't like because it really convicts me. I'd love to be able to twist and change them around. Oh, that, that one fits better. But we can't do that because I'm not God. It's his word. We have to stop trying to understand God's ways from our perspective because when, then, then we compromise what God wants to do and we end up doing things our way, not God's way. See, we can't compromise God's path. His path is what brings victory. We can't discount what is possible with God. After all, we do believe all things are possible, right? Right? We believe that, Philippians 4.13. But it goes back. Have we learned to be content? Have we learned to be humble? Have we learned to be obedient and faithful? See, it goes back to that. So when God gives us an assignment, it's no longer an impossibility, but rather it is an absolute certainty if we are following God's provision, God's plan, and God's path. We're not compromising that path. It's a certainty. Folks, when God speaks, it can scare us to death. When God called me to preach, I was in the military, 13 years in the Army. I was an E7, soon to be E8. I was on a fast track. And he called me to preach. I said, all right, Lord, I got seven more years to retire unless you want me out earlier. I messed my knees up, and God had me out in six months. Even my first sergeant was going, nobody gets out that fast. I got out. I got out February 10th, and February 13th, I was preaching, pastoring my first church. Same year, just a little bivocational church. God's ways don't seem right to me. It would have sound, it would seemed a whole lot better to let me, let me get retired, then I could go preach. I had that income coming in as well, and but not, that's not the way God does things. And I wish I can say I've always followed God that, that closely because I haven't. I've made mistakes. So how do you respond to God's assignments in your life? Do you write them off as unattainable? Or do you immediately adjust your life to God's revelation, watching with anticipation to see how he will accomplish his purpose through your obedience. Do you take that first step? Here's, here's the example. Abraham is, is, is the best example I can think of. God says to Abraham, Abraham, I want you to leave your country, leave your family, and go to a land I'm going to show you. That was God's call. Abraham gets up, and I want you to know that was his first time God spoke to him. When's, God doesn't speak to him again until that, that task is done. So he gets up. He leaves his land, leaves the earth of the Chaldees, goes up with his family, and then he waits. And then, then when his father Terah dies, now he finally gets into the promised land. Then what happens? God still hasn't spoken to him yet. Finally, when he's separated from Lot, 25 years later, God says, now that you've done this, you've taken that first step, 25 years later, you've, you've done what I've asked you, now here's the second step. That's what God does in our lives. Now, they, come, they can go one, two, three real fast, or they can take many, many years. The question is, do you take that first step? 
Too often the lust of the eyes gets in the way of the path of God because we want to compromise it. We want to do things our way. We don't want to wait upon God. We think our way, we can get, we can get there faster. But I want us to look at Jesus' response here to this in Matthew 4.10. He says, Get thee hence, Satan, for it's written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. See, Jesus recognized the lust of the eyes here. And he told Satan, get away. Get away. Jesus understood the source of the the temptation. We have to also learn to distinguish the source of temptation when it rears its head in our lives. God's ways are are rarely easy ways. Because it requires trust and faith in God's ability, not ours. See, too often we've jumped off that straight and narrow path and have taken the broad road. And you're thinking, hold on, Brother Todd, that's, that's not right. I believe that is the right way of interpreting that passage of Scripture. See, in Matthew 7, 13 to 14, is where that passage of scripture comes from. And what's happening, there's this Jesus, this is Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in Matthew. Now he, I believe he's preached that in other in the other gospels in different locations, different times. But in this particular time, when you look at the Sermon on the Mount, he's preaching, teaching his disciples up on a mountainside, away from everybody else. And so I believe when it says, Enter ye in by the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there are be which go in, in thereat, because straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leadeth to life, and few there be that find it. Well, see, this is about, a, this is about a, as a Christian, the spirit-filled life. Staying on that straight and narrow path. God's provisions, God's plans, God's path. That's the spirit-filled life for the Christian. And when you get off that path and you start doing things your way, your strength, your power, what does it do? It leads to the ruin of your Christian life, the ruin of your Christian testimony. It leads to that destruction. It leads to, even some Christians, that, to death. Because sin leads to death. And see what happens when you get to heaven and, and you get your reward and it's all burned up because of wood, hay, and stubble. Destruction. But you still have salvation. See, I believe because in this context, in the Sermon on the Mount, what Jesus was talking he was talking about the way to live the Spirit-filled life to his disciples. And he starts with the temptations. You've got to learn to overcome those temptations. That's how you live the Spirit-filled life. That's how you stay on that, that straight and narrow path of, of God and not go the way of the world, the way of the most Christians go. That's why the church today is so powerless because We're not following the way of God. Exodus 20, verse 3 is is the passage that Jesus quotes here. Thou thou shalt have no other gods before me. See, folks, we are to have no other gods before me. I love what Christina did over here. And I'm glad she put the cell phone up there. How many of us, even in certain service, have had to go on and do some texting to somebody. Shame on us. Shame on me because I've done it before. 
Those things can wait. Folks, we're in the presence of God. I love what, and I, I might get this, his name wrong. Um, in fact, I can't remember his name right now. But uh, uh, he, he talked about the president of the United States wanted to see him. He was an evangelist. And, he had to, and the president was waiting. Probably about 15, 20 minutes out in the office. And the president came in and said, what's going on? Why did I have to wait? Well, I understand you're the president, but I was talking to God. He was in his prayer time. We need to have the right priority, folks. Too often, we have compromised so much, we don't even recognize that we're compromising God's word anymore. We don't recognize it. You see, no other gods means just that. Jesus, by virtue of how he put down these three temptations of Satan, has established that the throne of God and the word of God is and always will be the supreme authority in all matters. And how we are supposed to handle temptations in our lives. See, we are only able to defeat Satan by the word of God. That's his provision. That's the sword of the Spirit. But that word has to be planted in our hearts. It has to have taken root. Otherwise, it's just a bunch of words we're quoting, and it means nothing. It has no power. And so if you're struggling in your life to walk after the Spirit of God, then you have to ask yourself this honest question. How many gods are in your life that take away your walk with God? How many gods are in your life? Jesus said, who is my mother, my brothers, my... And that's when they were trying to come and, and wanted to see him. And he says, no, my, mother, my, my, my family are those that are following the will of God. That's who my family is. We have to have our priorities right. James 4, 7 says, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will what? Hang around a little bit? Leave when he wants to? No, he will flee from you. See, the problem in our lives, in my life, I've found is I'm not submitting myself, myself before God enough. And when I do resist, it's just lip service. And Satan's just kind of, okay, whatever. I'll, I'll just back up here a little bit and I'll wait for another week or two and he'll be right back there and there again. See, it's not genuine repentance that takes place. See, here, this passage says that if you are truly submitting to God and resisting, then that evil, and let me tell you what that evil is, that evil is, that is, is within you. I guarantee it, Satan's not tempting any of us here. He's, one, he's one, one entity, one being. And, I, and there's a whole lot bigger fish out there than, than us. Okay? But it's that old man of Romans 7. That's where our struggle is. It's within us. It will flee from us. That old man in us, that sinful nature, it will flee from us if we resist the devil as we're supposed to. And then verse 11 says of our text, 
Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. This is that verse. I think as Christians, we miss because we don't resist long enough. We miss the opportunity for Jesus, the Holy Spirit of God who is in us, to begin to restore, to begin to encourage. His, his, his presence overwhelms us. We miss that. See, it can't just be a lip service. It, it must come from one who is living in the shadow of the Almighty by obedient faith in God's plan, not compromising his path, being content in, his, in God's provision. And I believe this is what so many Christians have missed in their walk with God because they've fallen into temptation. They didn't find a way of escape. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, there hath no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. See, it's not my faith, it's God's faith. It's God who does this. Not me, it's him. God is faithful. Who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able? But will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you'll be able to bear it. See, it's when we find that escape that the comfort of the Holy Spirit in us can now minister to us just like the Holy Spirit, the angels did to Jesus. I have no doubt he probably brought down some manna from heaven. Here, here, here Jesus, have some manna. And began to minister to Jesus about his work, what he's going to be doing. See, folks, the lust of the flesh. Are you content in God's provisions? Are you content in his provisions? The pride of life. Are you obedient? Do you show obedient faith to God's plan? The lust of the eyes. Are you compromising God's path? See, those, those three things, God's provisions, God's plans, God's path. If we're faulted, falling in any one of those points, and usually we're going to fall in two or three of them, not just one. See, this is the only way to live the spirit-filled life that Jesus has called us to live. It's that straight and narrow path. Are you walking that way? I want to close with this, and, that's, and this is one thing the Lord has really laid upon my heart. Are you being faithful in the little things? I mean the little things, folks. That little thought over there, nobody else knows about. Are you being faithful there? Because if you're being faithful in the, in the little things of life that nobody else knows about but you, then when those bigger things come up, you'll be faithful in those bigger things. And what God has shown and revealed to me through this study and others, and just, I need to be more faithful in the little things. If I get angry over here because I haven't been, I haven't been faithful over here, these little, 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 little things that may, maybe got me upset a little bit, and they really shouldn't have. Are you being faithful in little things? Too often we look for the big things. And it's the little, little things that cause us problems. Let's stand and pray.
Thank you for tuning into the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. For more information, check out our website at gbcak.org.